Gig Gab, the Working Musicians Podcast, episode number 50, for Monday, February 1st, 2016. folks and welcome to gig gab the working musicians podcast here in durham new hampshire i'm dave hamilton and at los gatos california paul kent it's good to talk to you paul as always it is good to talk to you did you have any gigs this weekend i had no gigs this weekend actually we had a really uh bizarrely empty schedule both in terms of no gigs for me and um very little going on with the kids we had we had what what I I like have in, I picture in my mind as a quote unquote like normal weekend for for other people. I don't actually know anybody that has that weekend, so I don't I don't think it. I think that's the most abnormal weekend for anyone to just sit around and do nothing. But uh, yeah. and, and we didn't sit around and do nothing. I mean, we had you know like chores around the house and things that, that get ignored because we're always out doing stuff. So for uh, sure. Good. How about you? Yeah, I had, I had three this weekend. I had a, a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Friday night was a club date at a club that, uh, boy, they were one of the first clubs to book our band. They've been really loyal to us. And, you know, we could probably play a bigger place out in this area, but I feel kind of loyal to this guy because yeah. he was pretty good to us. And and uh, we built an audience there, and people go out of their way to see us. Uh, we took a Friday night gig. It's about, in no traffic, it's about 40 minutes away. But in traffic, it's getting so crazy out here. It was almost two hours away. So that was that was a little stressful. Is that like a one one lane or one road artery between like over the mountains or something like that? It, it's not that bad. I mean, it's it's uh, it's two or three lanes. There's a couple places. But this was even at eight at night. I mean, wow. it's just how bad traffic is getting out here. So huh. so a club date on, on the Friday night and it went great and it was a lot of fun. You know, great audience, a lot of energy. The band felt really good to be playing again. So that was cool. Saturday, we played our first festival of the year and it was an outdoor gig at the ocean. We played this thing called the SOS a seafood festival. It was all about sustainable seafood. Um, it was out in Half Moon Bay, California. Uh, we played a 3.30 to 5 slot. It's been pretty cold. It was pretty cold for an outdoor event uh, to happen, you know, out even in, out here in California. But we had a really good time. And I want to talk a little bit about the band that played right before us because they were I, I really saw, pretty special. I saw some pictures that you posted and I, I yeah, I want to talk about them too. <laughs> I yeah. want to hear how, about how they were. Yes. And then I finished the weekend with a nice uh, acoustic gig with Acoustic Madness yesterday. We did two hours at a winery tasting room, packed the room, played some new stuff. We got that that group because Steve, who was on the show with us, is mm. like the master of requests. Right. So almost he has a he has a musical dictionary like nobody I've ever known. And he's pretty fearless. And uh, one request we got yesterday was to play Stairway to Heaven. So I have not played Stairway to Heaven all the way through since high school. So that, and for those of you listening, that's a long time ago. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I would never have known. I'm yeah. glad you pointed that out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, it was kind of cool. I played the six string part. Steve played the twelve string part, and Mary Ellen just crushed it. I mean, standing ovation. This is a tasting room where people are there to taste wine. Yeah, every every eye was on us. You know, knocking this thing out is actually really cool. And I actually think 
The statute of limitations on Stairway to Heaven has long passed. It is, it is a great song that is not overplayed anymore. I don't see any reason why it shouldn't come back and more people shouldn't be playing it. Well, you know, I, I have that song and Freebird in the same place, right? Because they're, they were so over-requested for so long that no one played them. Uh, yeah. And now, you know, like you said, if it's the right moment at the gig, because I've had that experience with both that song and, you know, Stairway to Heaven. And it's it, at various points in the last, you know, five years. Sorry, that song and, and Freebird in the last five years. And uh, and when it's the right moment for it, it's perfect. I mean, it's sure just is. the perfect song. Ah, that's great. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. The only thing about Freebird is it's still kind of that joke. That when you put it out there and you request, somebody always yells out Freebird. And of so course. that's the only thing that kind of, that's what kind of turns me off about that. And even when you turn around and do it, I think a lot of people turn around and do it now because it's been that joke of a request for so long. Right. Which is too bad because it is, as, as far as like classic rock guitar playing, that's, that's some fantastic oh, yeah. and nice vibe and, you know, great energy to the song. It's still a great song. Uh, I would say that maybe the statute of limitations has not passed on Freebird yet just because it's 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 requested in such a humorous way now. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, Stairway, all bets are off, man. Bring it back. Yeah. There was a club I played, I think, down in Massachusetts where there was a little bit of an overhang at the front of the stage, you know, at downstage. And you could only see the inside of this overhang if you were on the stage, right? So you could see it looking out to the crowd. And I've seen other stages that do this where sometimes they'll put a clock up there so you know what time it is without, you know, having to like have it obvious on the stage. And this one, there was a sign that said absolutely no playing of Stairway to Heaven ever, (laughs) which was kind of funny. So, yeah, that's good. Yeah, sad. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, let me tell you a little bit about this band that played before us at the Seafood Festival because it was interesting experience. So the band is called Mustache Harbor and they're they're They all dress up in like a, you know, a captain's hat, you know, like the like um, Gilligan's Island, the ca- a captain's hat and a, a blue blazer and white pants. And they call what they do Yacht Rock. They all wear fake mustaches. And so we talked about Yacht Rock. That's that's like Brandy and Escape and all of those tunes in that in that genre. Right. Well, um, here's what they played. They played Christopher Cross. They played okay. you know, sailing and that type of stuff. They played some Hall and Oates. Yeah, they played. um um, I should, I'm gonna, while we're talking, I'm going to look up their set list because it, you, you'll get it. It's, I've got it's their song much, list in front of me now. Yeah. Baker street, Africa. Yeah. 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 A, a lot of Toto. They had, they had four guys who could sing great. Okay. And, and so the, the instrumentation was they had one guitar player, bass, drums, keys. They had a percussionist. Uh, and then they had, um, two, other guys who were in some form of either standing up or holding a guitar at any one time. Sure. And the singers were freaking awesome. I mean, clearly these were very, very, very polished pros who knew exactly what they were doing. And I, as I understand, they actually have a couple of other bands that have themes. So, you know, they kind of put together these kind of tongue in cheek vibes. I think one of their other bands is a, is an eighties themed band. Nice. There might be one other band that, that some subsection you guys have, but these were like at least three of the singers were incredibly strong, pure tenors. I mean, they, they were hitting really, really high notes with no effort at all. There was no question. Sure. They were butter and, and they were harmonizing. And you you that need way. that for that yacht rock stuff. I mean, that, that for was, sure. that was the, I mean, that's your stock and trade right there. Oh, that's great, man. 
And the interesting thing was to get up. I mean, it was kind of cool that we had a headline slot on this and the guy who booked it likes our band. Sure. It was a little bit of a lesson in, um, in brand identity, right? So these guys very consciously, you know, they're not like a bunch of hacks who it's tongue in cheek. There are a bunch of pros who it's tongue in cheek and there's a very different vibe to that. Right. Right. It's not like you're using the costumes to cover up the fact that you're not very good. They were very, very, very good. And so here comes my band and we're kind of like jeans and, and uh, you know, kind of a what you see is what you get type of thing. And it was interesting to me because I could tell as you know, my band was getting there ready for the gig. We all could tell that this band for us was, was very polished, very, they had their act together. You know, their songs flowed real well. Their audience stick was really good. They, they were performers, polished, seasoned. You know, they really knew what they were doing. Pros sure. is the yeah. best way to say it. And, you know, not that we're not. But it was a different thing that these guys were effortless in their in their vibe. And our vibe is much more of a like, hey, we're just a bunch of guys. We grip, we grip it and rip it. You know, we, we just get up there and we play our butts off and and we bring it. And and we are not grip it and rip it. I've never that's heard a, that before. I, did you just golf, make that golf up? Term. Oh, that's a golf term. grip it and rip it. That makes more. See, I don't play golf. So that's how I. Yeah. That's, yeah OK. All right. All right. right. Never mind. Yep. And uh, we got up there and we played a great show and we definitely, you know, deserve the spot that we were in. We had people really into it. The couple of comments that I saw back to the organizers were that people love both bands. Um, and it was it was kind of cool. And I bring this up because, you know, we have this conversation about dress and, you know, I brought this up and, you know, on the show a few times and. Uh, a lot of the bands that go for the higher end work tend to have a much more, and I'm just going to use the word calculated approach to dress, whether they're dressing coordinated or whether they're dressing costumes or whatever it is, that's their thing. And while I always think that every band can do better with regards to presentation, I'm actually now having some really interesting thoughts about, you know, our vibe is that kind of like, you know, seasoned guys who just go up there and play and everybody sweats and has a good time. Yep. Can, can that be a vibe? Can that actually be a marketable thing? And I actually bring this up because I took a couple of meetings with some people over the last couple of weeks about, about doing more corporate work. And they both gave me feedback about how, how important dress and presentation is. But I'm wondering, you know, do you want to, you know, is this actually the way that my band stands out by not going the way that everybody else goes? Or is it a checklist item? You have to, you know, you have to have the pose picture in order to, uh, in order to be, in order to be uh, corporate gig material. Well, that, uh, see, that's the thing is I think when you're on stage, you can sell that. I don't want to say jeans and a T-shirt look, but, you, you know, I mean, because because I, I think I have a similar approach to gig dress that you do. We've, we've talked about it. You know, I, I wear jeans, usually a, 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 a collared shirt. I like to wear black shirts. Just I don't know. I guess I get used to it. My years in theater or whatever. But it works, you know, and I presentable. Um, I don't like to wear ratty t-shirts on stage. I don't like that look, you know, but, uh, but, and I've been in bands where I've worn suits, uh, you know, when I played in the responders, that's what we wore with suits. You can sell that, that, you know, dressed up with jeans look while you're performing. In fact, I think it's a really good look while you're performing, but it's really hard to sell that in a picture because mm -hmm. there's nothing distinctive about it. Right. It, it's just, Oh, there's a bunch of guys. And mm. and again, if you're delivering the goods 
okay, wow, now look at those. Guys. I mean, it's like, you know, it, it, I, I'm reminded of the Eagles, right? Because that's when they toured at least more more recently. But I think kind of early on, too, that was kind of the look was, you know, they looked fine, but they weren't, you know, going nuts. Um, and it's, you know, it's that like if you took the the hats off of country musicians, they'd kind of look the same way. Right. You know, it's like a decent shirt and some jeans. And OK, you got to take the boots and the hats off them. But without the boot and the hats, OK, what you know, uh, what's the look? There is no look. And I think that's your problem trying to market that, especially in this corporate thing where the picture does matter. Right. As opposed to, you know, club gigs and, and even these festivals or whatever, where you're sort of a known quantity um, and you, you know, I, I, I think that's where you're going to have trouble. Well, I'll, I'll play devil's advocate here. Sure. So the question then is consistency of your brand. Mm-hmm. Should what you put out there as a marketing tool be a, be an accurate reflection of what you're going to get when you buy the band? Yes, I, I definitely think that should be the case. Yeah, that it, when your your pictures should reflect what you're going to look like on stage. I think so. So what you're saying is there's there's a little bit between jean stage dress. You don't have to go as far as suits and ties, but but a but a good picture, even if it's jean stage dress, it has to be nice jeans. You know, whatever that's going to mean. I don't Wh- know whatever that's going to mean, and maybe it means dressing it up jacket. a little bit with a vest or a jacket. Yes, yeah, yeah. something that that says, okay, these guys didn't just happen you know, to be eating in the same restaurant together and took a picture, right? You know, they, they, they intentionally did something to look consistent with each other. I think so. Yeah. I, I think this, I think again, I 17 years, the band's been around. Yep. We have a reputation. We have references. We have videos. We have a lot of stuff. My gut right now is telling me, you know, we, we can always be a little bit better but we don't have to go so far as to, you know, captain's hats and white pants or, or <laughs> suits and ties. You know, there, there actually is a, a truth to our vibe that yep. is worth marketing, but I, I but I don't know if it's going to work, you know, so yeah, right you now, just got to figure out how to communicate that vibe in a picture, right? Because, because my guess is if you just took a picture of you guys, you know, either at the beginning of probably at the beginning of the gig, because at the end, you know, you're sweaty, right? But if you took everybody right before you hit the first downbeat, put the instruments away or, you know, hold them or whatever and, and take this picture, that picture is when you go back and look at it, it's not going to be representative of what you just walked on stage and delivered. Yeah. That's, that's the problem, right? With, with not having anything distinctive about your dress. That's all. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, so I actually had an idea for a topic for today. I hope it flies with you. But I was thinking, I just read an article that is called The Seven Deadly Performance Sins. Seven things that you should never do on stage. You game? Uh, yeah. I, 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 my, the question, of course, is how many of these have each of us done uh, both separately and together? So let's all of them. Uh, OK, all there you go. Yeah, well, certainly. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> So I'll give you the link and you can post it in the show notes, but I actually think it's a pretty cool thing to kind of talk through. And I kind of like, you know, like we've been talking about our, our buddy Steve at Cover Band Central, who we're going to have on the show in a couple of weeks. You know, he's written several of these articles. Yeah. Is this it, one I, from him or no? It, it is not from him. Okay. It's from a, a, a website called preachwhatyoupractice.wordpress.com. I like it. So we'll post it and people can read it. But I think, it, you know, it, Talking through these seven things might uh, be illuminating for some people. Yeah. Good. All right. Let's do it. Yep. 
All right. Number one, I think is the most obvious one. Drawing attention to mistakes. Does that mean don't tackle the drummer if he screws up the ending of a song? I, that would certainly go under that bucket. Do you know someone who might have done that? No, no, I, I've never, never experienced anything like that. No. Hey, man, <laughs> don't mess up my Springsteen songs. <laughs> I, no, I totally agree with you. And it's this is really hard to do. Um, I, you know, I um, I most recently not it was at one point last year. I, I mean, I have a distinct memory. I think I talked about it on the show where uh, our guitar player started this tune, Long Train Running in the wrong key. And we had like rehearsed it all week. Cause we brought a horn player in to play with us and all this stuff. And, uh, and we got to the break, you know, in, which is in the middle of the tune where it then goes into the second half. And that's the part that the horn player had, you know, charted out and everything. And, uh, and I remember screaming at him, like play it in the right switch keys now, you know? And it's like, I just thinking back on, it, I mean, it had to be done. Uh, but, there's probably would have been a better way so that the crowd wasn't so aware. <laughs> well, let's talk about that for a bit. So here's the deal. Um, you used a great term last week, a theater term called the fourth wall. And I would say in the fourth wall, meaning the, the imaginary wall between stage and audience. Right. And I would say this, it's actually shouldn't be hard. It's a commitment to professionalism. Yeah, totally. Drawing attention to mistakes and and uh, my my drummer Joe has a great term for it. He goes, "It's the stink eye." You know, when someone does something, you turn around and give them the stink eye. I, you got to think about this for a second. A, the guy who made a mistake usually knows he made a mistake, right? Right. He feels shitty enough as bad enough as it is. That's right. Um, uh, also, really, it's you're, nothing good is happening by communicating acknowledgement of the mistake on stage. And, and again, this, it's all about commitment to professionalism of your show. Yep. The, the audience does not need to be in that, but I'll say this. So we'll go back to that concept of the fourth wall. If something is a total train wreck and disaster, depending upon the band, depending upon hopefully the leader um, trusts enough that he can actually literally stop a song, get everybody back on the same page if you have to. Yeah. And, and continue on. Now, remember, no one's going to die if you stop a song. No one's going to, you know, nope. the, the, you you're not may, saving you lives not, here. That's right. You're not saving lives here. And, and, and in some ways, if your leader is really good, he can salvage that. It can actually be an inclusive moment. You can, that, you have to. I mean, if you're going to do that, you've got to include the audience in that moment. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, I, I think this is the thing is, you know, if you if you give a guy a look, you're embarrassing him. You're definitely going to create some tension. Um, it's a it's a look into your professionalism that the audience does not really deserve to have. It's not right. You know, your 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 cross communication, negative cross communication on stage is uh, it's just shouldn't happen. I mean, I, I think it's incredibly important for a band to have a frank conversation and say, listen, keep your notes about stuff that's, you know, and if you want to check afterwards, check. Sure. But, you know, consternation on stage, it's not going to make it any better on stage. So even in, in your case, like, you know, if you're yelling to a guy to, you know, stop, let's think about it. What would have happened if you would have just stopped playing until the band turned around and looked at you and said, why isn't the drummer playing? Right. That's bad. Would your drummer. Yeah. Well, no. Is it bad or would your leader have known? OK, we actually had this at the Seafood Festival the other day. 
we started off a song and it didn't come in quite right. And the band was trying to catch up and figure out how to get in. But within about 15 seconds, I realized it wasn't, you know, it's a song that if you have a good, strong start, I stopped the song. I said, Oh, these people deserve better than this. Let's try it again. Sure. And we just kicked right in. Yeah. I don't know if anybody in the audience remembers that we ever stopped the song to kick it right back in. Right. Right. But, but anyways, you know, there should be, there should be some communication amongst the band as to what it is. What is the tact by which if something gets off as a train wreck, that it gets caught. And then there's no perfect science to it again. No, maybe, there maybe. isn't. And that, you know, when, when this happened to us in long train, I remember our bass player looked at me cause he realized he was, Mike was in the wrong key and he, and he, and he joined him, you know, but he looked at me and he's like, we should just stop. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Cause I had already realized it. And we were, you know, in the tune and I'm like, we have, there is this break coming up, you know, where the, where the whole band stops. And then we, and then, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, it's that break in the middle of the tune. And I figured we'll fix it there. I can sing this. My, my voice is loose. The only reason we had moved the key was because um, because I, I typically can't sing it in, in its normal key. So we dropped it yeah. about a step and a half. Um, but, you know, it was fine. I wasn't having any trouble. It was like, that's ah, fine. We'll just we'll deal with it and, and we'll get there and then we'll switch and, and everything will be fine. But um, but it was the the way I communicated that to Mike in the uh, in during that break was was I, I could have been more subtle about it. Yep. Yeah. And it would have done everybody well. Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the summary line of this number one drawing attention to mistakes is nine times out of 10, the audience will not know anything went wrong. Uh, the audience ignores mistakes in performance because A, it's not practice time and B, it's not about you. That's right. And everybody's rooting for you to succeed. Yeah. So, you know, they're 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 really willing to just forego it. And as long as that's all good now, it's all good now. And also you get a little bit more philosophical about, it, you know, especially if you're playing rock and roll music, rock and roll music is a house party. It is an inclusive form of, of performance. It is an inclusive art, the flaws that may happen. It's not that you, it's not that they're okay to have the flaws, but the flaws are not indicative that you're a bad musician or that you're, that you're, you know, not, not on your game or anything like that. And the, what I mean by an inclusive nature is the ability to say, Oh man, we're better than that. And, and gathering your band and going back into it. All people will remember is that the band got gathered and, and, and killed it. Once they got gathered, they won't. That's it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Rock but, and roll is supposed to be a little dangerous. Is, that's right. A little da- Absolutely. That's a great way to say it. And the thing is, the stink guys going around stage, you know, that's when you'll see, oh man, those guys don't like each other very much. Or, right. you know, there was tension or that type of stuff. Yeah. You don't need that in your band. Nope. That's true. All right. Number two, correcting wrong notes, which is kind of like drawing attention to mistakes. So um, what he's saying here is um, fixing a mistake doesn't mean that the audience thinking, ah, that's how it was supposed to go. I'm so glad I heard it right now. Like, you know, you're not going to stop a song because because of one wrong note or that type of thing. You're going to just kind of like note it, fix it, and move on. move on. I think it's really just kind of it's kind of a similar to number one. Yeah, no need to do that. Yeah, um, but number three, I think, is an actually a really good one: showing dissatisfaction. So this is different to me than drawing attention to mistakes. Dissatisfaction is a subjective thing amongst amongst everyone on stage. So. For one guy, he may be dissatisfied with a tempo. For one guy, he may be dissatisfied with the length of a solo. You know, there, I mean, dissatisfaction yeah. can manifest itself in many ways. 
it, it's similar to number one in that it really doesn't have any place on a stage. If you are a professional, you smile and you do your job. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and, and you're right. It, it's, it's one of those things, you know, and the tempo is, is a, uh, is a great example of it. You get into a tune and you realize, wow, this isn't exactly where I want this to go. At that point, you have to make, I, I have to make two, one of two decisions. It's really bad. And we either need to stop the song and fix it or, you know, morph the tempo dramatically immediately and get it fixed or live with it for this particular performance of this song. Yep. And, and you and have, choose, and if you choose, choose carefully, yeah. And if, but if you choose option B to live with it for this performance of the song, well, now that's it. Don't, you know, it's out, put it out of your head. This is the tempo you play this song at today and play it and live it and own it. Yeah. And that, that I would extract that to say this, your disappointment at a particular moment, not being exactly what you think it should be on stage, your disappointment versus the the strife it can cause across your band from from expressing your disappointment in that moment is simply not worth it. Well, and, you know, this this goes beyond just uh, mistakes that the band might commit or, or whatever. It, it's also, you know, don't show your dissatisfaction with the monitor sound. Don't worry about anything like that. Right. You know, it, having that conversation with the monitor engineer while you're standing on stage, sometimes sometimes you have to. Right. I mean, it, yeah. it, it's so bad that you have to. But you got to know when you ask that question, you are breaking this rule. And, and so you've got to make this decision. Like, is it so bad that I can't live with it. And especially if you've got to ask a second time, you know, yeah. at some point it's just like, this is how it is today and we're going to deal with it. And then, you know, we'll, we'll rearrange for next time. You know, that's actually a great point. So, so there are a couple points in this article that, you know, I would, I don't want to spend too much time to, but what you just brought up is something I do want to spend a lot of time to. One of my pet peeves on stage is having to turn around and ask, are you ready? That to me is is really challenging to a professional vibe. I, in my opinion, the band should be ready yep. all the time and follow the leader. Are you ready? And you hear bands do this all the time, all the time. You know, in principle. Now it's interesting because you know drummers are playing a very physical instrument and knocking their stuff around, and you know stuff moves. And sometimes you know drummers need to you know get their their you know kits back where they're supposed sure. to be occasionally a guitar player will break a string. I mean, there, sometimes there's things you as a band should have some mechanism by which if you need to communicate to the leader, hold on a second, you know, I need, I need a moment and the leader should be prepared with what he's going to do. Yep. If a band member, I mean, again, yeah, it happens. It's not that you're, yeah, it happens. You're not holding people to task and no, nobody wants it to happen. But there needs but, to be a signal. Otherwise the, the assumption should be everyone is ready at all times. Unless you've been told otherwise. And, and like you said, I mean, there's things that happen and it's fine. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. You deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm with uh, you. Are you, are you ready? And, and, and excessive um, communication to monitor engineers. Yeah. That's tough. I mean, I get, I get that people need to hear to feel comfortable to perform, but at some point in time, you know, it disrupts the flow. It, it uh, you know, and especially if it's the same guy over and over again, you know, I would imagine if you're in the audience, you're like, does the guy know what he wants? He keeps changing what he wants. Right. Yeah. 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 I, you know, when, 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 and I've noticed this, it's not just them, but when I was seeing fish, whatever it was two weeks ago, 
Um, I watched them all communicate with their monitor engineer and the way they do it is visually hand signals. They're, it's never discussed in, yeah. you know, it, it never mentioned. And obviously you can see them, but it's a very quick hand signal. And it's, you know, I mean, you, you can, as a musician, it's pretty easy to figure out what they're asking for. But, you know, right. they've, they've got these signals, but it's a very quick thing. It's no big deal. They ask for it or they make this signal and then they move on. Now, that's doable when you've got the same monitor engineer for every gig. If you're at a place with house sound, well, probably they're not going to know all of your hand signals. But uh, but it makes a difference, you know, and uh, and maybe that's a reason to have your own sound engineer, even if you are working in a club that's got their own stuff to bring this person in to help translate what's going on on stage to what the engineer might need to know. Absolutely. You have to think it through and have some plan for whether it is your sound guy or another sound guy. Are you giving an advanced sound guy, you know, a a mix list? So at least he has a a basic frame of reference and then he's whittling it down, you know, so, you know, at least he he'll have some concept of what you're motioning to him about. Yeah. Yeah. And in, you know, a a little bit of a tangent, but along those lines, I've found it very helpful walking into a club where there's a, a house sound engineer and I'm the one that does, uh, you know, our sound. So I kind of have the, the, the full picture of what everybody needs. I've whittled it down so that in 20 seconds or less, I can communicate to the engineer what our monitor mixes should be like. You know, this, it's not a difficult thing. Um, it's very simple. You know, I try to keep it simple for me. And it keeps it simple for them, but you should be someone in your band. If it's not you, someone should be able to go to an engineer and in a very, very brief way, communicate. This is, this is essentially how we like to run things. And, you know, and for us, it's, we all like equal vocals in the monitors. We blend them ourselves. We do a lot of harmonies and stuff. So equal vocals for everybody, little bit of keys all the way around. And depending on the width of the stage, the two guitars sometimes like to hear a little bit of each other across the stage, you know, um, yep. and that's it. And that's it. And then conversation's over. It, it's not this big, crazy thing. And if it is a big, crazy thing, well, then maybe, you know, you need to print it out and like have it ready to hand to them so that they're not trying to remember all this crazy stuff. You know, one other thing about this, about this dealing with monitor engineering is just remember if you have a five piece band or a six piece band or a seven piece band or a 10 piece band, what would happen if all 10 guys spent the show tweaking yeah. what they're asking for? You can't. You can't. No. So, you know, the decision about when you're going to have to just live with what you have, if, it, you know, our sound engineer is awesome and he'll actually come up to the stage and check on everybody and, and you can have a, He'll, he'll come up to you and you can like whisper in his ear what you need. Um, he'll check on us to that level of degree. And, you know, that's, I understand not everybody has that level of sure of service, but you got to remember if, if, if you don't know how to ask what you're asking for in your monitors, if you don't know how to communicate and if you're constantly asking for different things at some point in time, you're going to have to understand it's going to have an effect on the flow of your show. Yeah. You know, back to this showing dissatisfaction thing, they they uh, in the article, they have a couple of things. And one of them is be gracious mm. and do in not all things. in all. Well, yeah, it's, that's sort of a good way to live <laughs> if you can. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and and they say, do not apologize, especially to someone who is complimenting you on your playing. And I've yep. seen this right where somebody comes up like, man, you guys were awesome. I really like that. 
well, you know, I'm sorry that we screwed this up or screwed that yeah. up. It's like, it, it's an Not easy special. thing to do because it's in, as a musician, it's what's in your head, right? You know what you did well. You also know what you screwed up and you don't want to screw it up the next time. So it's going to weigh on you a little bit and it should weigh on you a little bit. But it also is not the thing to communicate to anyone that was there watching. Yeah. Well, number four here is breaking the spell. And and in the article, there's a there's a bit of a description. I'm actually going to extract this concept a little bit of breaking the spell and talk for a second about the relationship between on stage and the audience. And so I, I think we start here. Performing music is performing music. It is a visual medium as much as it is an, an oral, A-U-R-E-L, yep. oral medium, right? People are watching you. Are you entertaining and are you committed to be entertaining? I was talking to a guy today who, you know, he was, um, uh, he's a keyboard player and he is looking for a new band and, you know, keyboard players are a little harder to find. So he's getting a lot of calls. He put a, you know, on a local Craigslist, he get a lot of calls, but he's like, I am just amazed how many of these bands, their, their, their chops, their playing chops are pretty good, but man, there's just no life coming out of them. They're looking down at their shoes. They don't interact with each other. I mean, we have listeners to this podcast that are all levels of experience. And I, I would direct this more to like the, the weekend warrior who may have picked it up recently and, and um, is trying to get back into it. I think tacit acceptance that live music is a visual medium is a really important thing to just embrace. It doesn't mean you have to try and be David Lee Roth. You can't be David Lee Roth unless you are David Lee Roth, you know, yeah. hopping around the stage. If that's not your, your vibe, if you're doing it as a contrived thing, it may be entertaining the first time. Probably not. Actually, it's probably going to be silly, but whatever your vibe is, you have to be a performer and, and the good bands, and I'll go back to this mustache Harbor, you know, one through eight guys were awesome. They all had their vibe. The drummer had a vibe, the drummer, you know, even from the back of the stage is making connections. My drummer does that. My drummer is like really focused on the audience while we're playing and he has his own vibe. It's not like he's trying to dominate the show, but he's keenly aware that, you know, at any point in time, people in the audience are looking at him. Yes. What do you have to offer back is a really important question. And we talked about the concept of truth in the past. And, you know, if you want to be on a stage, you have an obligation to be stage worthy. Stage worthy is not just about your chops and how much time. It, it certainly is a lot about your chops. But if you can you can record yourself if you never want to go on stage, you're going to be on stage. Do you have something interesting to offer your audience? And you ha- really have to find out what that means to you. And it can start so, with a smile. I mean, seriously. Absolutely. Right. That, that's that's the easiest thing to do is just smile. And And if you catch someone looking at you and now you've locked eyes with them. Smile. There's nothing else to do. Don't turn away weirdly. You know, you do want to, you don't also don't want to stay like lasered in on them, but smile and then move on. That's it. Absolutely. And that's a great place to start. It's, and it's the easiest thing to do. It's easy. Well, it's easy to say to do. It's not easy for everyone. Well, let let me, let me try this. You have to find your personal truth about how much, like if you're playing music, you don't like to play. You're, it's your bad, right? I mean, if you're doing it for a paycheck, I guess, you know, but even then you have an obligation to be a pro. Yeah, don't do it with a scowl on your face. Don't do it with a scowl on your face. And this kind of goes to what you were saying before. You know, um, if someone compliments you, you say thank you graciously. You don't, you don't offer false humility like, oh, we're not really that. You know, whatever that is, yep. a compliment is something given generously 
And you degrade the person complimenting you if you don't accept the compliment. And that's right. You really have to understand that's a really cool thing that if you if you've played a note of music or or done something that's moved somebody enough for them to go out of their way to thank you or say something cool about you, that's a pretty genuine exchange. And your obligation as a professional is to graciously accept that. You know, if it's your own if you're if it's your own insecurities, again, that's just nothing you need to share with your audience. You don't need to share it it off stage. Yeah, you don't need to share it off stage. You don't yeah, and you can stage, so. you can wear a persona in that sense on stage, and this it can be helpful, right? Where you know this person that you are on stage is mostly like you, except if you are someone who can't take a compliment. Well, guess what? This person that's on stage is just like you, but they can take a compliment and just act that part. And 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 like you said, it's very easy. All you do is when somebody says, "Wow, you guys sounded great," you say, "Thanks." Yeah, we were having a lot of fun tonight. You know, that's all you need to say. And if you really felt like it was a great night, you can say, thanks. Yeah, we really had a good night tonight. I'm really glad that you were here. This, you know, this means yeah. a lot. That, that's it. And, and, and you can pretend that. And then guess what? Over time, it might actually become who you are. And that's not a bad thing. And it's such a it's such a huge connection. Like, you know, if someone offers a compliment again, this, they're going out of their way. They don't know if you're going to be a jerk or not. They're going to come up and say something nice to you, assuming that you'll know how to take a compliment. And if you graciously accept the compliment, you've actually, you're going to help that fan be even a better fan because he's going to feel like he has some connection to you. Right. If you, if you disregard the compliment by downplaying it because your agenda of for yourself is more important than the compliment being given, it's disrespectful to the person giving you the compliment and you're doing a disservice, you know, yeah. Here's someone trying, coming up trying to be nice to you. Yeah, that's it. So, yeah, it's just two yeah. humans being nice to each other. It's really exactly. simple. Exactly. Yep. All right. Next one is is number five, starting too fast. And this is interesting because you're the drummer, Dave. What's worse, too slow or too fast? Um, you know, it's funny because before you sent me this piece, I thought maybe we'd talk a little bit about tempos this week and, and just a lot of things that have to do with tempos. Um I had a a very wise person share with me something that, that he said another very wise person said. I think it came from James Brown, in fact, who said that groove is defined as the slowest tempo at which you can play a song and still make it feel good. Mm. Yeah. Now, that's not true for everything. There's some rocking tunes that should just be up tempo and cooking. Right. But um, but there's something to be said for that. So what's worse, too fast or too slow? It depends on the song. Um, yeah. you know, and, and I don't have, um, you know, perfect tempo, right? I, if you tell me play a song at 130 beats per minute, actually I could probably get close to that because I know 120 cause I know I, I played too many March tempos in my time and I can just inch it a little faster, but you know, in a general sense, I, I can't hit like, you know, 78 on the mark. Right. Mm. Um, so for me, it's a feel thing and what I do and I, and this is something I still uh, work on. I don't want to say I struggle with it, but but there's sometimes I struggle with it. Thankfully, they're they're not all that often. But there's some tunes that I want to start either too slow or too fast, and I always stop. And I tell the guys this, you know, buddy check. If you're the one starting a tune, because it's not always me starting the tune, you know, buddy check. Find somebody else on stage and count <laughs> with them. It doesn't, you know, you, you, seriously. It, you know, just get a little groove going. I like that in your head and, 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 and sanity check it. And if you can't do that, and if I, if I'm, well, this, again, this, this now is different for everyone, but for me, what I do is I start hearing the song in my head way too fast, right? Intentionally. And then I slow it down until 
it's at a point where I feel like, oh yeah, that's where I want it. And then I might even go a little slower than that. Nope. I was right. Okay. Come back up now. Count it in that extra. That takes like three seconds to do that. Mm. And that yeah. three seconds is feels so, like an eternity on stage yeah, though. Right. It, it does. But you know, time yourself, do it in, in your rehearsal room or whatever. And you'll see, I mean, you're, you're talking about certainly less than 10 seconds to go through that entire process. It takes way longer to explain than it does to actually do and it pays so many dividends. Sure. You know, because everybody's just so much more comfortable. You, your band members, the crowd, everything. So it doesn't mean that it never happens. We, the, the Cure's Just Like Heaven, I don't know why. That is a song I want to race through right up until I sing the first line. And then I hate yeah. the fact that I started it too fast. <laughs> well, I'd say this is that, you know, we're, we're playing, all of us are probably playing mostly upbeat music. Mm. And adrenaline kicks in and the sin is usually too fast. I mean, have you ever gone back and listened to a recording or watched a video of your band playing? And you're like, holy crap, I didn't realize it was that fast. Usually fast is more the problem than slow. Yeah, right? I've had them both happen, but you're absolutely right. I mean, fast is by and large the, you know, the, the issue. Yep. And my drummer, Joe, is like he is determined to to hold grooves and resist that. I mean, good. And it is good. And you know, the funny thing is sometimes, um, bringing it back feels slower than it is. I mean, it's actually, you brought it back actually to the right place, but it feels like it's dragging groove is a, like, that's a great quote from James Brown. I mean, groove is a delicate thing. Every song, you know, has its own signature feel to it. It's not just about a beats per minute thing, right? No. I mean, there's there there's a there's a there's a sweet spot of groove for all different songs. I mean, we played what to play. Let's get it on, right? Yeah. Okay, like this is like one of the great groove songs of all time, right? Yep. Too slow, you'd feel it. Too fast, you'd feel it. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, it's got to be in that right pocket. Absolutely. And my problem, if if we start a song too fast and I realize it. And it, and again, make that decision. Okay. We're going to slow it down immediately. Um, I know that for me, for whatever reason, it's going to be really hard for me to lock myself in at the lower tempo. I I'll do it, but it'll never feel as comfortable as it would feel if I started at that tempo. Right. And do I don't you have, do you ahead. have certain songs that, you know, get your blood going and you know that when you finish the song, your adrenaline is going, you got to consciously tell yourself, be careful after this song. I, pretty much that's every song for me. <laughs> I, you know, I'm an animated guy. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I have to, but yes, I mean, certainly if we're playing like up tempo tunes, like, okay, if, if we, you know, I think of songs where you, you, you have like that mid tempo song that you put in the set to, to balance things out. You know, sometimes you need a little breather and uh, if you and the crowd, I, you know, it's, I mean, there's that the, we've had the set list discussion. We should probably have it again because it's a good one, but um but, you know, before starting one of those, it's like, okay, wait a minute, let's let this song actually serve its purpose, you know, <sighs> take a breath, mm-hmm. you know, and then do that counting thing where it's like, okay, yeah, this is where this should be. All right, let's go and then settle in. And, you know, for me being a drummer, and maybe this is true for everybody, um, I find that the thing, either before a song or even when I'm in a song, I constantly have to remind myself to relax my shoulders. Mm. and uh and the groove always feels better when i do that and everything is just settled in and but you know like i said i'm an animated guy i you know everything gets wound up and and i find that my shoulders are like you know hanging off my ears and it's like nope just drop them down everything's good 
nobody's you know we're all safe here everything's okay (laughs) it's all right it's all right yep exactly yeah. All right. Moving on. Number six is a good one. Altering the conditions. And the, the, the examples that are given in this article are things like for girls, if you come to a gig, all of a sudden wearing high heels, if you only ever practice in flats. Hey, that's not just girls, man. And I, right. I don't say that to be to be cheeky. You've you've played with me. You, I think you've noticed that I don't play with shoes on. Right. And there's a reason for that. And it's not just to be Dave, the shoeless drummer. Uh, It's because I don't wear shoes at home. And that means that when I set up my drums and practice my drums, I don't wear shoes. And I found myself, this was, you know, 30 years ago or whatever, getting to gigs and being like, how come everything's in the wrong spot? Right. Oh, I've to the point altered the conditions. No, I need to get rid of this, whatever three quarters of an inch of rubber between my foot and the pedal. And now suddenly everything's right. So yeah, it's, it's important to think about these things. Again, I I would extract this to say this, that performing live music is, uh, you know, it is a genre of show business. And if you think about all other genres of show business, they rehearse, they block, they, you know, things happen in a certain methodical way to try and keep the conditions as focused as possible. I mean, you know, we've seen Rush on this last tour. That is a staged, you know, very methodical when the videos come on, when this happens, when that happens. If you're going to start, if you're going to start throwing caution to the wind, you're introducing a lot of variables that may not go your way. Now, that said, there is, that doesn't mean that everything has to be planned down to the last moment. This isn't a Broadway show. However, what you want to do is find this, um, find this process by, you know, here is the part of the show where the lead singer will walk the stage and talk to the audience. Right. Right. Um, you know, there, there's a balance between these the two things, you know, some guys feeling it and, you, and you're going to call for a solo to go around again. You know, if your band, you know, can handle that, can handle not, that. Yeah, that's right. If not, you talk about it in rehearsal and like, Hey, if I hear you, if I hear you're blowing great tonight, I'm going to send it to you again. I mean, you, you want to put as many, um, uh, knowns into your favor as possible when performing. And, and it's part of preparing to have a stage show. Do people set up in the same way? We played a gig once, an, an outdoor gig, um, and we had all this room and the band set up way farther apart than we ever had. Horrible performance. It just felt like everybody was a mile away. There was no feel on stage on the band. You know, we thought, hey, cool, we'll, we'll be able to really yeah, entertain. Get some room. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. No, it it worked against us. And it was this, we altered the conditions. It's true. Yeah. And I mean, obviously you're, you know, every room you play in is different from, from the last one in some way and sometimes in a very remarkable way. So the conditions are going to be altered, right? The, The question is altering the conditions that you can control. Like you said, the way you come out on stage, the way you set up, and there's a couple things in here, either having music in front of you or not having it in front of you, whatever you're doing in rehearsal, that's what you should do here. Don't think, you know, that, oh, well, I'm used to having it in front of me, but I can do it without it. You know, well, pr- try it once without having a crowd and everything else going on. Maybe you can, maybe you can't, but figure that out, you know, before you get out there or sure. the, or the opposite. Uh, we just did a, an acoustic gig uh, last weekend and I had my iPad on a stand because there were some tunes that we were doing that we had never done before that I had never sung um, so, I mean, I, I'd sung through them once, but, or whatever ahead of time, but I did, I had, I didn't have the lyrics memorized. That was fine for those songs, 
But then there's those songs where you're like, you know, I've always sort of, uh, I always feel flaky on this one. Let me have the lyrics up. Cause why not? I've got the iPad right there. All I got to do is call up the song and it's right there. Worst performance of that mm. song of my life, right? It's much better if I'm struggling, you know, what's the next line? Feeling all right. That's one of those songs. I don't know why I can remember. I mean, my memory is pretty good. And song lyrics are never a problem. That song, I think those lyrics don't make any sense. They don't string together. It's like, it's, it's a, just a hodgepodge. I, whatever it is, I can't remember them. And I brought it up. It was, the, it was the worst I'd ever done it. It's much better if I make up a line or, you know, whatever halfway through than, uh, than trying to read them. So yeah, yeah, it's a, it's, it's good advice. For sure. All right. Number seven, this is, this is awesome. Not acknowledging the audience. Yeah, it's it's so it's so foundational. And, and I, I don't care whether you're a death metal band or whatever it is. If you're on stage and inviting people to come into your world and enjoy this art that you want to put out there, it is it is part of the deal that uh, you show gratitude for the privilege of being able to be on a stage and, and expressing your art in the way that you have. It's just, it's just part of being a good dude. It's part of being a human being and it's part of being a musician. Yeah. A friend of mine just saw it. I think it was Wilco the other night, uh, somewhere local here over in Maine. Uh, and it was at a relatively small theater. It wasn't like an arena or anything. And he said, you know, they sounded really good. Um, but he's like, it, they must have been like at the end of a tour or something. He said, because, man, they didn't acknowledge us once. There mm. was like no communication with the crowd, no visual, like nothing. It's like, just throw us a bone. He's like, we all showed up. <laughs> well, that's the thing. And this is a guy who's a fan. And yeah. that's what he took away from the gig. Right? That's what he took away. Yeah. Yeah. He's telling me this, you know, less than 24 hours after the show ended. That was his description of the show. Yeah, they sounded good, but it was weird. Listen. Yeah. People would kill for your opportunity to be on a stage. You need to be humble and show gratitude. You need to deliver the goods and, and play your butt off, but you need to you need to acknowledge that without an audience, there is no live music. Well, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. If a band plays and nobody shows up, uh, did, did the band make any noise? It doesn't matter. Exactly. Yeah. That's right. It was a rehearsal is what it was. Well, that's it. And Uh-oh. Did I lose you, Paul? The audience. Oh, Okay. I'm here. Are you there? Yeah, we're back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There All was right. a brief, brief Skype, whatever. Yeah. So the summary is during practice time, the audience is not there. It is acceptable. In fact, encouraged to commit all of the above performance sins. That's the idea of practice. We stop and fix, reflect, try again, go over and over and over, analyze, criticize, slow down, correct, all within the goal of mind of being able to communicate flawlessly on the stage. I like it. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, of course, all of these things, and I think we sort of said as much as we went through them, they're all very much easier said than done. Uh, and, and, you know, nobody's going to get it perfect every time, but keep it in mind and have the goal because it, it's important. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. There's some nights where, man, all I want to do is just play and not acknowledge the crowd. I mean, it doesn't happen often, but you know, you have those, maybe not entire nights, but those moments where it's like, okay, I just want to, you know, I, I, I want to put up a wall. I just want to play. And you can't do that. That's not what, you know, that's not what it's about. Yep. 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 All right. So good stuff. Good stuff. Feedback at gigabpodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, we've actually got some letters in the queue that we've got to go through at some point here soon, Paul, but uh, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. And, uh, and the other thing that I'd love to see, 
please, please take a moment and do this for us. Head over to iTunes and give us a review. It makes a big difference for us in terms of getting rated and ranked over there at iTunes. Uh, and, and we love to see your reviews. Unfortunately, we can't respond to them there. But if you say something that's important, you know, obviously we can respond here and, and we'll do that. But uh, but please do that for us. We'd, we'd appreciate it. That's all I got, Paul. That's all I got, Dave. All right. Thanks, folks. We will see you next time. Later. <laughs>